0: Hello and welcome to 20 Minute Marketing. Thanks for listening and I hope you're having a great day. We're now on episode 30 of the show which I can't quite believe to be honest and I've been really excited for this episode for a while now so I'm going to get started right away and introduce our guest. And today's guest is Timothy Armu who is the CEO of Fanbytes. So hey Timothy, how's it going? Pretty good, Liam. How are you? That's great to hear. And yeah, I'm doing good too, thanks. Could you spend a couple of minutes telling us about yourself and Fanbuys?
1: Cool. So at Fanbuys, what we do is we help the world's biggest brands, world's coolest brands to reach younger audiences on social media. So everyone from uh, Samsung to Kickers to even the government all the way to the Department of Education. We help them to reach younger audiences on social media. By younger, we're talking between the ages of like 13 to 25. And we do that through three central pillars. Firstly, we run like performance led influencer campaigns for these brands across Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And then also, we own and operate and we manage um, some of the biggest uh, social channels and social talent on um, Snapchat and TikTok. So we help brands to create stories on there and then the third thing which is like super exciting is we've also just built like an e-commerce arm where we are able to create e-commerce brands and we either work with brands to co-create them or we just own and operate a number of really um successful brands from lip gloss to a whole range of different things started it three years ago I started it in university at 22 and here we are uh, 40 people
0: later and we are yeah we're doing well rocking. Thanks for the introduction. It's clear that there are some really big brands there that you you mentioned that you've worked with and I spent a bit of time on your website in preparation for the recording and there are lots of great case studies on there that highlight how some of those brands are using channels such as TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, AR etc to connect with younger audiences. Just a few that I liked real quick so there was one on there about using gamification with Charlie XCX and Warner Music, a Boxing Day campaign with Boohoo, and how you worked with Kevin Gates, who is a popular US rapper, and raised his profile in the UK by using AR. So if you are new to Fanbytes, or perhaps looking for some inspiration on how to use those platforms that I've just mentioned, then reading those case studies might be an interesting place to start. And of course, we'll be discussing them in more detail during the episode too. Some of the topics we'll be chatting about include how you can connect with Gen Z, using TikTok and the role of influencers, and a few other things as well along the way. I'm going to open the episode with a few generic questions that focus on Gen Z and then we'll see where things go from there. Before we started this recording, I just had a quick look at the listening statistics for our show and I found that around 70% of our listeners are actually over the age of 28. So I think we have a great opportunity here for Timothy to share some insights with those of us that might feel slightly disconnected with the Gen Z audience. So yeah, first of all, Putting market into one side just for one moment, what are some of the characteristics of Gen Z that listeners should be aware of?
1: So, I think the biggest one is probably often when you go to conferences and events and people talk about, you know, like gender are these different breeds, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, well, no, they're not. The reason why we are different is primarily because we now have social media, which we can use to amplify what we think. And that I think is just primarily the main different a lot of people talk about things like self-expression and self-identity and i'm like well not really because everyone wants to express themselves like the 40 year old guy just because he's 40 doesn't that mean he just wants to live a silenced life it's actually more that because the tools we've grown up with are more native to us we basically can very easily get our message across so if you just think about gen z as pretty much like similar generations the main caveat being that we have the ability to amplify anything a hundred fold that i think is like a much better framework to look at it and thinking about them as like these you know completely different um beings and aliens to what people sometimes say at these like conferences and stuff
0: yeah that's a great explanation and i think When you look at the younger half of millennials, most of us are using those platforms like Snapchat and Instagram too. So the crossover is probably much greater than people assume. And you talked about incorrectly labelling Gen Z. Is there a way that brands can improve their relationship with younger consumers then?
1: 100%. I think the first one is just like
0: being where they are,
1: right? There are still, you'd be surprised how many people still believe that what you can do is, you know, this is something that I said a lot, but what you can do is take a repurposed piece of content and just put it on there and go, yeah, cool, this works. So the first point is just about if you're creating content for a platform, create content for that platform. The second thing is a lot of people go about how like, you know, like Gen Z need to be coddled and they need to, you know, they're not aware if there's an ad or something like that. So a good example is like with a whole influencer marketing world. A lot of people are like, you know, like people need ad disclosures because they don't know if it's an ad or not. And, you know, like Gen Z, don't know, et cetera. And I'm like, this is just complete rubbish because people know when they're being advertised to, if anything, the 17-year-old who's grown up with this as essentially their form of advertising fully understands so i think one massive mindset change is this whole idea that they are you know a bunch of snowflakes who who need constant holding and brands who actually can go into the conversation as no we understand that you guys like even though maybe you're 17 18 16 we understand that you because of social media have seen the world a lot more than people even you know double your age we're going to like treat you guys as adults and the brands who do that well there are so many brands who do that well like they stand for something and they empower and they then get gen z as involved in the conversation are much, much, much more successful than those who go, you know, let's come down to, you know, let's theoretically come down to your
0: level. I think if you run an experiment and and you had 118-year-olds and 150-year-olds and you had a list of posts and some of them were paid ads and some of them weren't and they had to spot which ones were the paid ads, then I think I'd put my money on the 18-year-olds. I know it's just one of several platforms that Gen Z uses, but I have a few questions about TikTok now. I read an article on The Guardian a few weeks ago that stated one in three Brits have TikTok downloaded on their phone now. So I think everyone probably knows about the platform by now, but I still think there's a knowledge gap when it comes to businesses using it for lead gen and brand awareness compared to, say, Instagram, which I see a lot of local businesses actively using and promoting their services on. What are the benefits of using TikTok to brands?
1: Well, I think there's several. I think one of them is the fact that on TikTok, like TikTok is a platform prioritizes videos over specific profiles so because of that the variable to success is not actually how much can you pay the variable to success is how creative can you develop content and the moment that you think that you realize like it's a crazy opportunity um because i've seen people with just you know five thousand followers go completely viral on tiktok because they've just created a really solid piece of content so for me that's the approach that i think works for brands where they think creative first rather than let's just pay a bunch of people to post that stuff. So that there, I think is one of the big advantages. Creativity means you can get millions of views on your content. And of course,
0: brands can run ads on there as well now.
1: TikTok is very much in its infancy in terms of like ad maturity and stuff, but we run ads on the platform and the
0: cost per clicks and the CPMs are also very low. Is your focus on video ads or are you running text ads on TikTok as well?
1: I think our strategy is pretty simple, like you run video, you take
0: influencer creatives
1: and run them as video, just works exceptionally well.
0: And I'll be honest, I don't use TikTok that frequently, I have it downloaded, sometimes I go on it when I'm, I need to pass a bit of time or when I'm bored or something. But when I was browsing a few weeks back, I saw an ad from Lewis Capaldi on the platform, And he was promoting a live stream. I think the phrase that he used was become the king of TikTok with Lewis. Do you think live streaming is something that we'll start to see more and more on there?
1: If anybody wants to go uh, check out my LinkedIn, I actually wrote
0: a piece about
1: how the head of Disney streaming has now gone to become the CEO of of TikTok. And what I think that means is that it is going to be now, like live is going to be now incredibly, incredibly big right now and streaming and people being able to monetize quite a bit from that already we know influencers who are making you know a couple hundred quid a week just by live streaming yeah i think and i think it's one of those things where if you want to see how tiktok is going to be in the future look at how Douyin is in china because they're owned by the same company but what But it's almost like they use China as a test bed for things, as a precursor.
0: Yeah, that makes complete sense. I am intrigued to see how businesses use the platform and start to use it to grow and develop and and sort of incorporate creativity into their brand. I do have one final question on TikTok specifically. Speaking from a personal note, I work for a company that sells a service and we're not quite sure how we could use TikTok to our benefit. So how can B2B and SAS brands use TikTok when they don't always have a physical product to showcase on there?
1: I think if you're a B2B company, your product is relatively complex or expensive. I don't think it makes sense for you to go on TikTok. What makes sense for you to do is if you are the CEO of the company or you are someone who works in the company, you want to add a bit of like personality to your company for a recruitment perspective,
0: and that makes perfect
1: sense. But if your product is, you know, selling to B2B marketers, that, that's probably not going to work for you.
0: Yeah, I like the answer because you mentioned the positive impact that having a TikTok account could have on an overall brand without necessarily focusing on how it impacts conversions. So let's add Instagram, Snapchat, AR, YouTube, etc. all back into the mix. Say I am a company that is just starting out on those channels and I have limited reach. Would you advise me to work on growing organically or should I consider using influencers to help raise my profile?
1: So I think you already need an influencer specialist if they can contribute something that you can't. Most people, I think, should do it on their own if what they're essentially trying to do is get a number of influencers to to talk about their product. And you're pretty much going to be using those same influencers over and over again if however the thing is that you need not only skill but you also need much better data and insights into how actually this whole process works into how to optimize for the best click throughs for example we built a bit of data which actually tells us what time people installed an app what time people clicked what time people did this so therefore we can optimize on that that there's where you add value But if your thing is, well, I just want a bunch of people to talk about my product, then I don't think it makes sense for you to have an influencer company.
0: I find it really interesting that you mentioned that we could potentially see a decrease in influencer marketing companies. It sort of leads nicely into a thought that I had because I remember the days when I was obsessed with Bebo, MySpace and those platforms that aren't around anymore. And as well, over the years, we've gradually seen a changing demographic on Facebook to an older audience. So do you think social media platforms like TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, et cetera, have a shelf life or will they be around for the foreseeable future?
1: I think it depends on who you're asking for example there's probably there is no better channel if you're like an app or a gaming company or yeah like a direct response brand where you have a low units value there's probably no better platform than snapchat just purely from a conversion perspective it's insane i think it outperforms instagram by like 2.7 to 1 in terms of like return and ad spend from an installs uh perspective if you're a fashion brand, then obviously, in you know, fashion, beauty, Instagram is the way to go on there. And then on TikTok, we like if you're entertainment, but increasingly if you're like a DTC brand, massive um, success on there as well. So I think that like to answer your question, it's not so much that do I think they're going to be the future. I think it depends on who it depends on who you're asking and, and, and it depends on like what source you're asking from. Social media right now is is just the internet, right? <laughs> and like social media is the internet and the internet is social media, right? So the question kind of assumes that there is a discrepancy and there is some difference between Instagram and uh, TikTok and Snapchat, and they're like the rest of the internet. But I think we've now got to the stage when t- you know TikTok has two billion downloads. Instagram has like a billion um users on it. Like this is just this is just the current state of the internet like social media is the internet um so i don't think they're going away anytime soon i think the purposes will change so for example facebook right now is definitely not a social network at all but it is pretty much the best advertising medium there is like pretty much ever i think probably yeah i think pretty much better than anything maybe google can come to it because it's more of like an intent-based thing but like from uh how do I target this, you know, 37 year old mom in Texas who is about to have a baby? It's like, right, Facebook can tell me this. So I think they will evolve, right? So like Facebook, Facebook and Instagram essentially are now like advertising businesses. But I think if you're talking about like do we see them die now, like MySpace, Vivo, etc.? They've just reached such critical mass and they're so good for specific niches of people that there's just no way that they'll die, right?
0: I think you hit the nail on the head there. Those older platforms were great and they had their uses, but I don't think they had the advertising capacity and commercial setup that channels we use now do have. So moving away from speaking about uh, different social platforms i want to ask a few quick questions on bites now if that's all right so i mentioned a few case studies at the beginning of the episode and i was wondering if you had a favorite campaign that you'd worked on and why so
1: there's quite a few like i could talk about some of the like well-known ones right so we've done stuff for cardi b and bruno mars and uh, we've done stuff for the government and all that stuff but i think most of the ones that i like is when a brand has come to us and they've been relatively unknown, and then we've helped, like, blow them up. I think, like, those type of things I'm a big fan of. Um, so there's, there's a gaming app we worked with. We, like, they basically came to us. They were having, I think they had in over, like, 20,000 users or something like that. And within six months, we took them to um, 250,000 daily active users, not just like normal downloads users, but actually like daily active users. And to and to see that, to see basically the growth of a brand just, just under our, our guide, I think it's like really, really inspiring. That's much better than when you go, oh yeah, like we did this thing for McDonald's. We did this thing for Burger King. It's like, yeah, cool. But like that doesn't really move the needle, right?
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. And it's um, nice that you were able to include some statistics. I have one final question in this main section. So I've been really interested in the FanBytes house that you launched and you've had some great press from it from all over the world. So could you tell our listeners what that is, how it came about and sort of the impact that it's had from a PR standpoint?
1: So, yeah, the house was something we've been thinking about for a while. It's kind of weird, right, because Corona is probably the best, like, Corona is probably the best and the worst time to do it. Best because you suddenly have a lot of people come, like a lot of people watching your content. Worst <laughs> because it's kind of like, initially our whole idea was to do really cool stuff. Like for example, every two weeks, get a new influencer to join the house and all that stuff. But actually the content they've been creating by themselves is pretty good. So we started it off three months ago. We said, well, actually, so the planning started about five months ago and it was like, we want to create a, we want to create uh, basically like a form of IP where we can get people to buy into it by bringing six of the biggest TikTokers under one roof and get them to create content. And the TikTokers have been great uh, so far, you know, like the six of them, 16 million fans, we launched and we've been pretty much everywhere, whether it's Vice, BBC, Observer, Times, anywhere at all. It's just been an incredible experience. We are we're clocking about 50 million views on our content yeah it's it's pretty crazy and i'm fortunate enough we've got like really cool brands wanting to be a part of the experience as well so i'm pretty happy about it right we have 17 year old tiktokers 18 year olds 20 year olds and they're all like really interesting stories right you have you have a gay couple you have like like an lgbt uh pair who um used to be a couple but now they're not a couple anymore but they're now best friends and, and like and you have these like viral pranksters and you have these whole host of really interesting people who symbolize every single facet of what gen z are going through and for me that is like super interesting and that's what um that's what i think uh we as a company are really looking forward to in terms of just like creating these different owned and operated uh, media properties. So that's the story of the Buy House and it's been good. Every single bit of press etc. we've got is just further validation
0: of it. That's great to hear about the level of success that you've reached and I'm sure there was a lot of hard work and planning that of course went on behind the scenes. So let's end our main chat here and move on to a few fun questions on Timothy's career to finish the episode. So it's time to close out the episode with a few fun questions. It'll be really interesting to hear your answers here, Timothy, because I'm pretty sure that you're the youngest CEO that we've had on the show, and I imagine that you'll hold that record for a while. So I always start with this question. Do you have any memorable or fun stories from when you first launched Fanbytes that you'd be able to share with us? Uh, Yeah,
1: so one of them was pretty interesting. One of them was when we signed on a pretty large client, and it was during the time that I had my exams. Um uh, so this is my third year and I had an exam which I remember this very clear. The exam was a three hour exam, it was from ten till one PM and my meeting was I think it was like at like two thirty or something like that. And I went to Warwick University. So there was a virgin train from Coventry Station and I think that train was at like something ridiculous, like like one eighteen or something like that. So I had to basically go from there to Houston, but I had this exam, which was I think like my second to last exam. So I I was kind of working through it, working through, and there was a particular problem because I did computer science. There was a particular problem on there, which I was like, man, I could solve this, and I know the way to solve it, but it would just take a lot of time. And I was like, man, I need to get out of the exams a bit earlier because basically, I don't know if people know this, but you can't leave an exam with like 10 minutes left or something like that. It's a weird rule. Like you can't leave an exam in the first 10 minutes and then in the last 10 minutes or something. So what I did was I was like, okay, this is probably not going to work. So I wrote a note in the exam paper. I was like, (laughs) yeah <laughs> even thinking about it that's funny because i knew the the guy marking it he and i were pretty good friends and he knew actually quite a bit about you know like fan bites and stuff so i wrote a note oh dear dear mr russell i know how to solve this problem but i've also got to catch a train to close xyz brand can i send you my worked out example um as a screenshot over email <laughs> um, and then I just missed that question and then I just like finished it up, got the train, came to London, sorted out. And then I sent him a picture. I then sent him a picture not only of the worked out question, but also of of an email from the client saying they're gonna go ahead with bike. And I sent it to him and I was like, Yeah, sorry. Like <laughs> basically it was like in a couple of days you're going to get my paper and you're going to see that on question 6a i basically dropped this note here is my worked out thing here is it all and here is also the reason that i left and he emailed back actually like two three days afterwards just with like just with like this message about how it's like the funniest thing that he's gone etc and and he actually said yeah cool that's fine (laughs) because i think that he knew that i would get the question right anyway it was just some circumstances and he's been very supportive of me actually so um that was definitely one which was like that was so random
0: yeah that story definitely didn't disappoint um thanks for sharing it with us it's nice to hear that there are university tutors that are understanding the bigger picture and supporting our careers too I know we're pressed for time a little bit since that was a long but definitely worthy answer. So let's finish with one final question. And that is, do you have any tips for any young entrepreneurs that are considering launching their own business?
1: Just realise that most of what you're trying to do has been done by someone else. So you just need to go and figure out how they've done it and just do that. Um, the idea of a unique idea I think that's massively overrated the whole thing like you must have a really unique idea so for example when we started thinking about you know this whole like owning IP and turning into more of a media owner what I did was very simple I basically went online and I looked at companies like like the Barstool Sports I don't know if your audience has heard about them but barstool um i basically went there and i just read everything about them i listened to every podcast the ceo was on i listened to all that stuff to just understand a bit more about how they talk how they thought about building ip and building talent-led business and i basically have been copying the playbook ever since but i think that's one thing i'd say like you know people talk about you know work hard and all that stuff and i'm like well that's a given If you're going to choose this path, you're just going to have to do that. But if I was to be super practical, I'd go realise that uh, most of what you're trying to do has been done by someone else before. Go and seek out, go and learn how they do it and then just copy it and just
0: make it a tad bit better And you're done. Slightly off topic, but I love that you mentioned Barstool there. I've been following them for probably around six years now and they are just growing and growing in size. And if anyone wants to check out how to nail your social media content strategy, then yeah, check them out. Although I do have to warn that the content might not be right for everyone. One of many things that they do, which has been working really well for them, is that their president, who is called Dave Portnoy, what he does is he goes around the US and he reviews pizzas. So he'll go to a pizza shop, order a pizza, and then he'll take one bite. He uses the slogan, one bite, everyone knows the rules. And then he'll give it a score out of 10. And for whatever reason, it's super successful. He has millions of people tuning into his live streams to sort of see the reviews. And I'm not quite sure why, but people just enjoy watching him take a bite out of pizza and give it a score.
1: I actually just listened to a podcast of him on the, uh, I don't know if you've seen recently the fiasco that's been happening with uh, Koha Daddy. They gave these guys a shot. They actually gave them their own show. The show is doing quite well. And then they just decided that they went rogue, basically. And he came on the podcast and was just like, come on, guys, this is this is just absolutely ridiculous. But he gave some insights into, like, the intricacies of the whole world. I was like, wow, it's super interesting.
0: Yeah, that's also another interesting talking point. The Call Her Daddy fiasco has been a big topic over the last few weeks, and it resulted in the show being the number one podcast on the US charts. So it definitely makes for interesting reading from a marketing standpoint and how much of that was planned or or how much of it was legitimate. Let's wrap the episode up right here. Thanks for being an awesome guest, Timothy, and sharing some great insights with us. No worries. Thank you. No problem. And I'll see everyone soon with an exciting new episode that is going to include two guests on the show at the same time for the first time.